Well, Moses explains that the favor of God comes from obedience to God. The favor of God from obedience to God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. As we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Really interesting. We're going to talk about Deuteronomy in just a moment, Deuteronomy 28. And uh, that's in about five minutes, so stay there. But Corey is here with Ryan. I'm going to be taking a look at uh, Mount Ebal and Gerizim and these blessings and curses that we read about in Deuteronomy. Ryan? In today's assigned reading, Moses makes an incredibly accurate prediction. He says that after he dies, the Israelites will turn from God in a major way. Today, we look at one man who could be considered the living embodiment of that. Turning from God. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, Janice? Jesus said, abide in my word. Well, we're going to do that. Open up your Bible guide. Get out the Bible because that's important. And let's listen to what God says to us. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 9. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 28, chapter 29, and chapter 30 and 31. You know, we go fast through the books of Moses, don't we? Well, the blessings of the Lord are truly remarkable and immeasurable. A blessing is a, a special favor. It's a mercy. It means of grace or benefit of some kind. So to know that the divine hand of God can and will move on our behalf is amazing. Well, in today's assigned reading, we see that God's promised blessings on Israel when they obey his word. God knows that we as followers of Christ, conforming to his image, we enjoy a freedom to choose how we are to live our life. Now, the problem is that it's difficult to obey the Lord sometimes because we're often relished in the freedom to choose our own way. 
But as Christians, once we decide to live our lives the right way, we have daily choices to make about how we will follow the Lord. See, the blessings of God, when we consistently choose his way, even if we make mistakes, are real. And God promises to help us through the problems we have. See, it, it's not about us first. It's about God. Today we read Deuteronomy 28. We will learn that the Lord has specific promises on how we can receive blessings from him. It is absolutely fascinating, let me tell you. And you know, uh, as we study this, it becomes important for us to realize that God is talking to us through time. Now, he speaks to the people of Israel, the blessings of God, in Deuteronomy 28, but we can still hear this scripture today and we can apply it to our hearts. So Father, I ask today that you would help us to read the scripture and let it change our hearts. We don't want to change the scripture by putting our ideas on it. We want to take your ideas and allow them to stir and change our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to read and hear your words. And we said together, amen. Take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. If you don't have one, call us or write us or go to Bible Discovery TV and you can click on it. it takes you to the donation page. Thank you for your donations. And also to a page that downloads it just like you see it. So it's beautiful. You're seconds away from joining us. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. It's a powerful verse. Look at it. Here's what it says. Now it shall come to pass. It's going to happen. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Are you serious? Absolutely. You see, Moses explains that Israel's favor and power come from obeying God's command. Israel's favor and power come from obeying God's command. You see, Christians today are people who are unique. They are set apart for God in their own countries. Isn't that something? A Christian today is not, you know, this citizenship or that citizenship or this culture or that culture. It's a person who is changed and he serves God. And I want to tell you something, that's the best place to be. It does not matter what citizenship you are. If you're serving God, that's the best citizen you can be. Because that service to God, as you read the New Testament, which we will later in the year, teaches us to be careful about others around us. Isn't that important? Absolutely. Now, take a look at this next passage because it's interesting. 28 verses 2 through 6. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. You obey the voice of the Lord your God. Pay attention to that. Verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and increase in your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be basket, your baskets and your kneading bowls. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you 
go out. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed, beloved. Moses lists the blessings of God that will come upon Israel when they obey him. Very important. When they obey him. We are people who grow to great beauty when we are responsive to Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, it's interesting because Jesus is talking in John and he says, if you love me, you will do my commandments. What? God has commandments? Yeah, the commandments of Christ are interesting. They're not the commandments like the Jewish law, but they're commandments to love one another. They're commandments not to hate anybody. They're commandments to love your enemy as yourself. They're commandments to help people. And so when we love the Lord God, we are blessed. That's just the reality of it. I want to tell you that's important to remember. Now, let's go to some more scripture. This is seven through nine. Now, listen carefully, because here we go. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. Now, I want you to hear that. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, and they will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will do that. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. The enemies of God's people, they will fail while God will establish his people to succeed. Okay, look at that. I want you to read that again. The enemies of God's people will fail. Well, God will establish his people to succeed. You see, the battles we face on earth are temporary. As believers in Jesus Christ, we win. You know, I got to tell you, I read the back of the book. It's a great book. It's called the book of Revelation, 22 chapters. In fact, I did a speaking series on it. I, I read it several times, many times, and I learned that we win, beloved. When we got saved, when we came to know Jesus Christ, we didn't have a culture change. We had a life change. Life totally transformed. And we've moved our lives to following Jesus Christ. And when we did that, things changed. Now, this scripture tells us that that's how we gain blessings from God. We obey him. Obey the Lord. You ask somebody, are you a Christian? I like to say, well, what do you think? I, I try to obey the Lord. That's a really interesting answer, isn't it? I, we just need to obey God. Father, help us today to obey you and to hear your word in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen.
So in all of our reading today, it's focused on the renewal of the covenant between God and the people. And Moses tasks Joshua and the Israelites on their entrance into the promised land, once they're a little bit of, a little bit established, that they need to go to the mountains that flank the city of Shechem, Mount Abal and Gerizim. And they are to renew the covenant and call out in the hearing of all the people, the blessings for following the law and the curses for disobeying the law. The, the covenant of God. So just really reestablishing this relationship between God and the people on their entrance into the promised land. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the actual place, Mount Ebal, where Joshua was supposed to stand, offer sacrifices, and uh, call out uh, all of this covenant. Take a look. The book of Deuteronomy records a command to Joshua to hold a ceremony on Mount Ebal, to build an altar there and set up standing stones that had the covenant written on them. Joshua chapter 8 records how the Israelites fulfilled this. Mount Ebal was probably chosen as a place of covenant renewal for a few reasons. First, it flanks the city of Shechem, which was a major center of politics and religion in Canaan. In other words, control of this area demonstrated God's power to own the land. Second, Mount Ebal is the tallest mountain in northern Samaria, demonstrating importance and commanding a view of nearly all of what would become Israel. Thirdly, most Israelite Iron Age archaeological findings come from this territory of Manasseh where Mount Ebal is. This gives some evidence to believe that here was where most of Israel resided in the early settlement and into the time of the judges. So having a religious center on Mount Ebal would give access to most of these Israelites. After these mentions in Deuteronomy and Joshua, Mount Ebal is never spoken of again in the Bible. In modern times, Mount Ebal has also received a slice of controversial fame with the findings of the late archaeologist Adam Zertal. A pile of stones on Mount Ebal received several seasons of excavations due to Iron Age I pottery scattered on its surface. Zertal interpreted what he found beneath the pile as a massive altar of burnt offering dating to the biblical period of the Judges. At first, Zertal's findings sparked a scholarly firestorm of disagreement, but today, it's generally recognized that he did find a cultic site that corresponds to biblical sacrificial restrictions. The apparent altar is made of natural uncut stones and filled with alternating layers of earth, ash, bone, and stone. Not only is this a known construction style of ancient altars, the bones in the fill are ritually clean, edible animals according to the Mosaic Law. There is a notable absence of unclean animal bones here that are found at contemporary sites in the area, pointing to this use as an Israelite cultic center. Unlike pagan altars with stairs, this one was ascended via ramp, as commanded in Exodus 20. In front of the altar are two paved courtyards and various pit installations to hold other types of offerings. The whole area was surrounded by two short ceremonial walls that marked off holy ground, a later closer wall and a larger older wall. While this altar dates biblically to a time just after Joshua, at the center of it, Zertal found an older circular altar dug into the bedrock. Could this circular installation have been what Joshua constructed? The location, timing, and archaeological activity all line up, but the biblical connection will likely remain controversial. 
Much more can be said about Mount Ebal and the discoveries there. Um, Associates for Biblical Research have excavated there recently, and last year they actually discovered uh, an amulet of cursing there that they think is probably attached to an Israelite holy place that was there on Mount Ebal. So if you want to learn more about the site of Mount Ebal, Ebal, I would highly recommend going to the website of Associates for Biblical Research. Excellent. Very good, Corey. Thank you. Ryan is here now. Ryan, what's going on? All right. Well, my focus today is on Deuteronomy 31, 29. And here Moses gives a stunningly accurate prophecy. Regarding Israel, he says, I know that after my death, you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Well, as history would later affirm, this is exactly what happened. And one of the men who could be considered the living embodiment of this prophecy is King Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. Now, without a doubt, he was the Israelites' most evil and despicable king. As a matter of fact, according to Jewish tradition, he was the one who murdered the prophet Isaiah by sawing him in half. Spiritually, Manasseh went in the completely opposite direction of his godly father, Hezekiah. But Proverbs 22, verse 6 also proved true here. It says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And this is precisely what happened with Manasseh. In the end, he turned from his wicked ways. Check it out. Manasseh, son of King Hezekiah, was only 12 years of age when he was crowned king of Judah. And he reigned 55 years, from about 687 to 642 BC making it the longest reign of any Jewish king. This was in many ways unfortunate, because the longest reigning Jewish king was also its most evil king. Indeed, he reversed everything his godly father Hezekiah had done, and reverted to the ways of his grandfather, King Ahaz. In fact, so wicked was he, that he even seduced God's chosen people to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. His sinful acts included rebuilding the high places which Hezekiah had destroyed, making a wooden image, raising up altars for Baal, and worshipping and serving all the host of heaven, and even building altars to them. He set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of the Lord, and practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He even made his own sons to pass through the fire, as his grandfather Ahaz had done. On top of all of this, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood. As Josephus puts it, he barbarously slew all the righteous men who were among the Hebrews, nor would he spare the prophets, for he every day slew some of them, till Jerusalem was overflowed with blood. For all of this, God would bring ultimate judgment upon Jerusalem and her king. In 1 Kings 21, God proclaims, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies. But Manasseh had absolutely no regard for the Lord and completely ignored these warnings which were spoken to him through the prophets of God. In fact, according to Jewish literature, Manasseh, in utter rebellion, even sought Isaiah the prophet in half for warning him and his people of approaching vengeance. 
Nevertheless, the word of the Lord was fulfilled, and God brought upon Manasseh and his people, the Assyrians, who took the Jewish king captive, bound him with chains, put hooks through his nose, and dragged him off to Babylon. So afflicted was Manasseh that he finally entreated the Lord and repented from all his evil ways. In mercy, God answered his prayers and brought him back to Jerusalem, where he would re-establish worship to the one true God and reverse all the evil he had done. Amazingly, it is said of Manasseh that from the time of his return to piety towards God, he was deemed a happy man and a pattern for imitation. You know, if there's one thing that you can learn from Manasseh, it's that you've never gone too far or done too much for God to forgive you. Clearly, Manasseh did a lot of evil in the sight of the Lord, so much so that it was even more despicable than all the pagan peoples who God removed from the land. But despite all of his evil acts, the Lord forgave him and restored to him his throne when he humbled himself before God and repented. The king finally came to realize that the God of Israel is the one true God and creator of the heavens and earth. And just like he did for Manasseh, God will forgive you too, no matter what you've done. If you haven't, so if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're living in bondage, spiritual bondage. You might not realize it, but without Jesus, we're the ones bound with chains and the ones with hooks through our noses. But what Jesus does is he loosens those chains and removes the hooks and sets us free. So please, if you haven't done it already, do like Manasseh did and repent. God will forgive you and give you eternal life. He came to free the captives, both you and me. And so you pray, and when you pray, you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I need your help today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's as simple as that, the mention of his name. Janice? Yes, and to continue in that, um, my segment today is called Abide in My Word. And because we're looking at these verses, the blessings of God for His children, His nation, Israel, came with a condition that they follow Him, that they obey Him. It came with that condition. We read it in verse 1 of 28. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And again, at the end in verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today and are careful to observe them. So, some people might say, okay, but yeah, that's the Old Testament. That's what God said to the Israelites. We have a new covenant. But we need to remember that as followers of Christ, Jesus said the same thing to his disciples. John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. John 14, verses 23 and 24 say, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He do he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now, when we come and we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that we change overnight. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden we never do anything wrong. It means that we need to learn to discipline ourselves to be in God's word, 
to have a relationship. That's what it's all about. It's not about learning rules and regulations because we will break them. It, it is going to happen. But we willfully must commit to not say, oh, well, whatever, but to commit to follow after God. And that means a personal responsibility to know what's in the Word of God, to personally commit time to spend with the Word, with God in prayer, in meditation on His Word. Personally do that. Not let somebody else do it for us. It's not about that. It's a personal relationship between you and God. So, no, we're not perfect. Yes, we're going to make mistakes, but we need to willfully make the decision to follow after God. And when we do something that we know is not right, we need to humbly come before God and ask for His help, ask for His forgiveness to help guide us. You know, there's the 23rd Psalm, even to people who don't read the Bible or don't know about God, can probably quote parts of the 23rd Psalm. Let's just listen to first of the few verses here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Why don't we need to want? Well, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. What happens when we do that? When we allow God to lead us, then it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. God is interested in the decisions that you and I make. And it says, it goes on, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, if you do a study on that, you know, it's tools that shepherds use to, to ward off the, the enemy, the intruder, the, 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 the bear, the lion, something that will hurt his sheep. But on the other hand, it's also something, and his staff is a tool that he can use to rescue and take care of. But we need to allow God to be our leader. We need to follow him and willfully choose to do that today. And remember, you can get Bible Discovery TV on your phone, whether it's an iPhone or whether it's an Android, whatever you want. Just search for us on the store, you will find us. Search Bible Discovery TV and you can watch it wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Keep that in mind. Now let's pray today. Lord, help me to adjust my life to the reality of your leadership. Your leadership, not me, your leadership. Help me today, Jesus Christ, and we said together, Amen.